Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. I want to talk to you a little bit about the reality of Christmas. And I think sometimes it gets distorted. Sometimes it gets a little uh, confusing. Sometimes uh, there's some different perspectives. But I, I want to really lean in to how do, we get, how do we get the reality of Christmas? Like, how do we get down to what it's really about? So I want to speak to you today for a couple of minutes around this idea of Christmas courage. Christmas courage. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great grace on our life. We pray that you'd come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us in a very real way. Lord, we didn't come here to play church today. We didn't just come here to sing a couple of songs. We came here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as we celebrate this beautiful reality of Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So speak to us in a very clear way today, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, listen, I think Christmas has, has a vibe to it, doesn't it? I mean, there's just, there's just a vibe to Christmas. Uh, so some would say it's Christmas vibrations. Some would call it, you know, it's the Christmas feelings, or or maybe you get the Christmas fuzzies, right? As as uh, as Christmas comes along every single year, the decorations start to go up, the anticipation anticipation starts to rise up in our hearts. Anybody love this time of year? Yes. It's great. Now now let, let me let me show you a, a couple of things of what I mean. I, I think the Christmas vibes they they happen when you go around and you're looking at Christmas lights. Anybody do that? You drive around, you have your, your hot chocolate or your coffee, you put on some Christmas music, 96.5, right? And you're driving around and, and, and you're blown away by the fact that some people spend about four months putting lights up and like another three months of, of tearing them down. Like, who does that? But all of a sudden, it just kind of gets you in the Christmas spirit a little bit, right? There's, there, there's some feelings, some fuzzies. And then when you're a kid, there's all the presents and the gifts, right? The anticipation about what's under the tree, or, or uh, am I going to have a Christmas this year? Come on, uh, some of you guys may have grew up in a, in a household where it was a little bit tight, and so there was a different type of anticipation, like, man, what is it going to look like for me this year? But, but there's, there's still with all of the festivities and the food and the friends and, and, and the shopping, even just walking around the mall, even if you're not going to buy anything, just Christmas music is playing, and, and marketers are doing a really good job of trying you to catch the feels, like they, they want you to catch the Christmas vibes. They want you to, to catch the fuzzies. And, and we have the, the sweets. And, and I don't know about you, but we give ourselves like extra permission to have a sweet tooth during Christmas, right? I've already ate like, like a box of nuts and chews over the last few days from people. Like, you know, you, you, you plan on eating one and then eat another and then eat another. And it's just, it's just that, that time of year. I, I think what, what I love the most is I, I love the weather. I love that it's cold. I love that it's a little bit rainy and and you want to cuddle up and maybe watch Home Alone, turn off all the lights and just have some of the decorations shining. And, and I think that's awesome. Like, all that stuff is, is great. But how many of you guys know Christmas is so much more than a vibration? Christmas is so much more than fuzzies and feelings and lights and festivities. In fact, on, on the very first Christmas, uh, the angel appeared to the sh- an angel appeared to the shepherds and declared this incredible reality. The angel appeared to the shepherds and said this. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And that's really the, the heartbeat of Christmas is it's, it's good news of great joy. The only problem is sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Maybe you're here this Christmas and you're having a hard time getting the fuzzies. You're having a hard time tapping into those feelings because Christmas, is, it's, it's so much more than that. And it also can remind us of some painful things in our life. 
In fact, uh, some of you today, Christmas may feel a little bit more like this. It may feel a little bit more tangled. It's just kind of you're reminded of how tangled you are financially and how in the world am I going to go buy gifts for all these people, right? It, It can remind you of how you're tangled relationally, right? Not only do I have to buy gifts for these people, I actually have to spend time with them, right? But I think on a serious note, I think it can also remind us of, of how we're tangled spiritually. You know, all of a sudden mentions of, mentions of God and Jesus start to come up around this time of the year. And, and it can cause you to reflect. And, and maybe you're not so connected to God right now. Maybe there's, there's still a little bit of mystery there and, 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 and you're trying to figure it out. I think for others of us, Christmas can feel a little bit like this. It can feel a little broken. Like there's, there's some broken areas. Maybe you recently went through a breakup. Maybe a marriage went south, and Christmas is a reminder of how things aren't working and how things are broken. Maybe your kids have, you're not able to spend it with your kids. Maybe you have to trade off this year for the first time, and you're just still trying to navigate that. Maybe it's been 10 years, but it's still hard, and you're just kind of navigating through this season. Maybe, maybe you've lost a loved one, not just this year, but it, it could have been 10 years ago. But it's just a, a reminder of, man, I of how much you miss them, and there's, there's, there's still this, this sense of, of loss. Maybe for some of you, there's just areas of, of your life that, you know, there's a few lights on, but there's also some areas of brokenness that you really wish God would hurry up and heal. You really wish that God would hurry up and bind up some of those wounds because it's, it's been really tough, and Christmas is a reminder of that. I, I think for others of us like Clark Griswold and uh, A Christmas Vacation, some of us, we got all the lights on the house. Like, we're rolling this Christmas. Family's great. Food is great. Money's great. All the lights are on the house, but they're not shining the way you expected. It's, it's like you're looking, you're like, man, this, this is what they told me was going to satisfy. This is what they told me that life was about. I got all my ducks in a row, but I, I still feel this lack of power. I still feel this lack of purpose. Things just aren't connecting. There's, there's an emptiness in the midst of everything that I just can't quite put my finger on. And I don't want to encourage you that, that if you're here today, it's not by accident. And, and if you're in one of those, those areas where you're, you're wrestling with some tangled stuff and, and, and you're feeling and dealing with some broken areas and maybe it feels a little empty this Christmas, can I just tell you that Christmas is for you too. And in fact, 500 years before uh, Jesus actually was born, the prophet Isaiah declared this beautiful reality in regards to Christmas, that, that God was going to give us beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, Christmas is one of the times where the suicide rate goes up and, and people are wrestling with anxiety and depression. And maybe you've been wrestling with some heaviness and God wants to put a new song in your heart. It goes on to say that uh, they will be called trees of righteousness, meaning because of Christmas, we can be in right standing with God, not because of what we've done, but because of the reality of what Jesus did. Because he came down, uh, God in the flesh, uh, lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died so that you and I can experience good news of great joy. That we'd be trees of righteousness planted, bearing much fruit, that that our lives would simply reflect the glory of God. And see, uh, many of us in here, we, we know that this is what Christmas is supposed to be about. And the lights and the presents, all this, the food, all this stuff is cool. But we know that this is really the heartbeat of Christmas. It's good news of great joy. There's beauty for ashes. There's a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But the question is, how do we get that? 
a lot of times it's like, well, how do I experience Christmas like that? The, the world would tell you, hey, you're just not doing enough. Like, you just need to go and put on some more Christmas music. You just need to go and, and, uh, and spend a little bit more money. You just need to go and maybe look at some more lights. Maybe turn up 96.5 on blast until you start to feel something. But I would propose to you there's a much better way, but probably a little bit more unconventional than you're used to, but totally biblical. And, and to, to paint this picture, I, I want to take you back to one of my favorite movies that came out in December 25th on Christmas Day 2016. It's a movie called Hidden Figures. Now, one of my, one of my, my favorite stories about three African-American mathematician geniuses who worked for NASA during the race to space. Now, fighting through a bunch of racism and injustice and, and just a, a ton of pressure and challenge, their prayers, their persistence, and their gifting made room for them. And they went on to coordinate some of the most extraordinary launches and landing to and from space that, that our country has ever experienced. But here's the reality is that if this movie didn't come out on Christmas a couple years ago, many of us would have never known their story. We've heard of the great feats of NASA, but little did we know that there were some hidden figures behind all of those successful launches and landings. How many of you guys know you want some great coordinates not just for a launch, but if you're an astronaut, you want some great coordinates for the landing. And I really believe this Christmas that, that there, there's, there's a hidden figure that we don't talk about a whole lot. I mean, when we think about the story of Christmas, a lot of times uh, we go right to the, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? That the, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you have found favor with God and, and uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and, and, and you're going to bear a child. So we have this beautiful reality of the virgin birth, which is, which is amazing. And then you have the angel appearing to the shepherds in the field. Now, shepherds were really marginalized in this time. They, they weren't considered as, as you know, uh, they, they were like social outcasts, if you would. And, and God decides to announce the birth of his son to, to, to the lowly. And we see this beautiful picture that no matter where you're at um, in regards of social status, that, man, Christmas is for you. But then there's a guy by the name of Joseph who's engaged to be married to, to, to Mary. And we don't talk about Joseph's side a whole lot. Like, like Joseph's Christmas was a little bit more tangled. Joseph's first Christmas was a little, it felt a little broken, a little confusing, right? But I think Joseph's life and story is gonna help us to, to almost uh, uh, get off to a great launch if you would, this Christmas season. But also, I think some of us, we've been wrestling with some things with God that we need to land. And so I think Joseph can help us get some great coordinates for a launch, but also give us some great coordinates to help us land this Christmas, that it really might be a Christmas of good news, of great joy. And the story picks up in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to go there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. I mean, he was a good dude. He was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. Hashtag, he wasn't buying this Holy Spirit deal. He's a great guy. But he's like, hey, Mary, like, man, you've done a lot of, you've always been so sweet and so nice. But this, come on, Mary, like. You're breaking my heart. Like, don't lie to me. Don't, don't tell me that. 
the Holy Spirit came upon you, and, and now you're pregnant? Like, I, I mean, come on, Joseph just was not buying it, as I don't think any of us would either, right? So no shame to Joseph. He's just like, listen, Mary, but I'm a good dude, so even though you broke my heart, I'm not going to be shady towards you. So we're going to try to do this quietly, but this is not going to work out. This is, this is not okay. So this is how the reality of Christmas is starting with Joseph. It's a little tangled. The passage continues, and, and it says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Can I just tell you that when, when we're in seasons where we feel a little tangled, where we feel a little broken, where we feel a little bit empty, can I just encourage you that you are not here today by accident. Uh, the Lord sent uh, Joseph an angel, but maybe the Lord sent you here today to realize that in the midst of your tangleness, brokenness, and emptiness, God is saying, I'm pursuing you. I'm pursuing you. And it says, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. It's getting more complicated. <laughs> For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now you could imagine Joseph like, it's true? What in the world? And it says, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Continue. It goes on to say that all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I want that to sink in for a moment. The God of all creation stepped out of eternity into time, into bodily form. We call it the incarnation of Christ. We call it God becoming flesh to be with us. Like, just let the reality of that sink in for a moment. That's a pretty big deal. I, I love what J.I. Packer says. He says it this way. He says, some have argued that the supreme miracle of Christianity is not the resurrection of Christ from the dead, but the incarnation of, of God becoming flesh. The beginningless, the omnipotent, meaning the all-powerful creator of the universe, took on a human nature without the loss of his deity as being God, so that Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth, was born fully divine, fully God, and fully human, fully man. So he was both fully God and fully man. Of all the things that Christianity proclaims, this is the most staggering. Because I think when, when we hear Emmanuel, God with us, especially if you grew up in church, it can kind of get a little cutesy, right? And we sing it like Emmanuel, like, like it's so casual, like God with us. Like, hey, Lord, thanks for deciding to be with us today. So glad you're with us. Right? It just kind of has this casual approach of, of, of yeah, and uh, God is with us. It's like he's with us. But, but I want you to get this picture that, that the God of all creation, the all-powerful creator of all things, stepped out of eternity into time in bodily form, taking on the form of a servant to live the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died. He stepped into, out of heaven into our tangleness, into our brokenness, into our, our chasm. And it wasn't just like he was always walking on water. No, he was in the tangle. He, he experienced the brokenness. And even on the cross, he knows what it feels to be separated from the fathers. He bore the sin of the world. So it's not like Emmanuel, cool, God is with us. It's like Emmanuel, he's with us. Like he gets it. He's with us in the tangle. He's with us in the brokenness. He's with us in the emptiness. He's with us in the fight. He gets it. God is with us. The passage continues. 
And it says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. Now, once again, this is, this is going to be read thousands of times today. Thousands, all across the world. And sometimes, it gets, it get, again, it gets really cutesy. And this is how it goes. So when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary to be his wife. Go get him, Joseph. <laughs> but can I just tell you, this is not cute. This is probably the most courageous decision this man has ever had to make in his life. This is one of the most critical moments of Joseph's life. This is a man of good reputation. He's worked his whole life for this reputation. And now everything is about to be compromised in a moment's time. Joseph, Merry Christmas. And so one of the things that we learn from Joseph right away, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is that if we want an intimate relationship with Jesus, it takes courage. Christmas takes courage. And, and I, I want you to, to, to get this picture because Joseph is going to give us some coordinates, like I said. He's going he's gonna to help us navigate. There's three aspects of courage that, that we're going to learn from Joseph that I believe will help us both launch and maybe land and settle some things this Christmas when it comes to our relationship with God. And if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. The first one is this. We need the courage to face rejection. Now, it's so funny because a, a, a lot of times we think about, man, how do I get good news of great joy? We, sometimes you may have come in, to church today and you're like, oh, man, I'm looking for the fuzzies or the feels. Well, I, I want to I get you there, but it's not about fuzzies. It's not about feels. It's about real joy. It's about real life. And Joseph, we, we learned that it takes courage and it takes the courage to face rejection. Now, you could imagine Joseph grew up in a shame and an honor culture. And so it wasn't going to take people very long to do the math. So you got married here. She had the baby there. We're not mathematicians. But it's pretty obvious, Joseph. One of two things either happened. Either you guys did the do. Or she was unfaithful to you. And you got to understand, as a result of that alone, they would have been rejected, they would have been humiliated, and they would have been treated like second-class citizens for the rest of their life in this culture. A man that has spent his entire life building up a good reputation. I mean, you got you to imagine the decision that Joseph is making. I mean, imagine him trying to explain to his boys, Joseph, what's going on, man? You see, uh, the Holy Spirit came down and put a baby in her womb. Like, oh, Joseph. Like, you're a good dude. Like, what, what are you thinking? He's like, no, no, it's true. And then the angel appeared to me. And, and oh, Joseph. Like, what? Joseph, like, you got to come to your senses, bro. Like, like, like what's, what's wrong with you? This girl's got you way out of your, out of your mind. Like, like, you're way in too deep with this girl. She's got you twisted. It's like, no, no, like, 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 like this really happened. And, and, and you could imagine Joseph trying to explain this in a culture that they're just not going to understand. They're just not going to buy it. And, and, and you could imagine that we know from Matthew chapter 2, not only would it cost his reputation, but almost cost him his life. 
Merry Christmas, Joseph. This is great. As Joseph enters in to the very first Christmas. You know, across the world today, some people will, will, will their, their lives are in danger this very moment for doing what we're doing here for the name of Jesus. You know, in our Western world, we don't have to deal with the life and death thing so much, at least not yet for the name of Jesus. But can I tell you that ridicule is, 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 is climbing in regards to Christ. Paul's very clear that if we desire to live a godly life, he said, you will be persecuted. You will be rejected. You'll face some, some of those difficult moments. And, and, I, and I think it, it, it affects our relationship because people don't understand. Like Joseph's boys, they just don't understand. I, I think Jesus said it best. He said it this way. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Meaning it's hard to understand the things of God apart from God. And, and so what that does, it can put strains on relationship. Jesus said at one point, he said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. You don't hear that on Christmas. But it's true. There, there, there's some times where, man, you're going you're gonna to proclaim the name of Jesus and, and our relationships. People aren't going to understand. They're going to think you're crazy. I remember when I first surrendered my life to Jesus. Now, I, I have a very, like, cr crazy past. Like, some of you guys wouldn't even listen to me as your pastor if you, like, knew, like, where I come from. And then some of you guys would feel so relieved because so I was so much worse than you. <clears throat> but, but I remember when I surrendered my life to Jesus that there was... There was just this wonder in my friend's eyes. They, they recognized two things. Number one, they still realized I was cool. Like, I, like I, It's like they expected I was going to be an alien or, or I was going to live in a different planet. They're like, hey, you're still normal. I'm like, yeah, I'm still normal. Um, but then they also realized that, that my desires had dramatically changed. Because remember, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, I, I didn't have any you know, people that were friends that were following Jesus. So I, I would go back and just try to hang out with my friends and that was my world. That was my life. That was where my identity was wrapped up in. And so I surrendered my life to Jesus, but then I went right back, and I'm just like, all right, well, how do I function in this? Because I, I didn't desire the same things anymore. I didn't want to do the same things, not because somebody gave me a list of rules. I was a grown man. Nobody was bossing me around. It's just God was changing the desires of my heart. I desired what he desired. I wanted him. And so they were looking at me like, oh, man, this is bad. What happened to you? I'm like, no, like, I, I, I promise, like, I'm good. This is good news of great joy. They're like, no, it's not good. Like, you join a cult or something. Like, you're super, are you going to start wearing a tie? Like, what's going on with you, man? And, and people were just, they were blown away, but then they're like, but you're normal. And, but you're, like, nicer, and you don't, your mouth isn't foul like it was. And, and it was just so confusing and perplexing, and, and I, I would try to hang out with them, but you could feel the, the chasm. We loved each other, but we were going in two different directions, and it left me alone. I remember showing up to church by myself. My mom was in St. Louis. Uh, I, had, I had my brother here, um, but, you know, multiple services, and I would come to church by myself. And, and it was hard. Can I just tell you that experiencing the reality of Christmas, it takes great courage. It takes courage to face rejection. And the second one of this, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Uh, we need the courage to let go of control. Courage to let go of control. This, this is a tough one. We don't like surrender, right? Surrender normally equals defeat for us. And if you don't believe me, look at your last argument. Did you surrender? Probably not. Now, if you did, in your last argument, maybe nobody argues in this place. Maybe it's only me and my wife. All right, that's okay. Um, so, so it, it, when you argue with one another, it's not fun to lose. 
It's not fun to surrender. Now, some of you will surrender, but it's really not surrender, right? So, so you shut down because you don't want to deal with the drama and you can't stand the bickering, so you'll just shut down. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and, and you'll just be quiet, but you know that even when you shut down and quiet, you know you're the one that's really in control because you can't go anywhere in the relationship once you're shut down. So if you think you're like super awesome because you shut down and leave the, the yeller over there, no, you're not. You're just still in control in a, in a quiet way. But we just don't like, listen, our opinions matter heavily to us. We don't like to be told we're wrong. We don't like to be, to be challenged sometimes. And I'm not saying we're not learners. I'm, I'm being a little bit extreme, but, but you guys can catch the drift. I think even on Christmas, it comes out the fact that we like control. Like, like when we go to pick out a Christmas tree, there's no way that my wife is letting me or my kids pick out the tree. Not even a chance. I'll be like, hey, mom, look at this one. Turn it around. No. Like, hey, babe, how about this one? I mean, it gets so bad. Our kids are like, mom, just pick a tree. Just pick a tree. So then I, I, call, I, you know, I get with my girls, and I'm like, hey, girls, this is what we're going to do. As soon as she picks one, just say yes. Just, yeah, that's, great. that's a perfect tree. Right? She does not listen. To let us pick the tree would be surrender. There's just no way. I'm being funny, but it's a little bit true. Um, <laughs> but we need the courage to let go of control. And, and Joseph was challenged with this. Look what the angel told him. The angel said, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. All right, simple enough. Except in this culture, this was huge. See, this was a culture that really honored the patriarchs. Like, like as the husband, as the father, like you got the right to name your children, especially the son. And it was kind of like, you know, this aspect of you had complete rights over the children and the fact that you named them really validated your control over the family. Not in a weird way, but just in like in an honor way. And the angel looks at Joseph and says, nope, you're not going to name him. In other words, it's as if the angel is saying, if you want Jesus in your life, you're not going to rule over him. He's going to rule over you. I love what Tim Keller says in regard to this passage. He says, people constantly say to me, I'm interested in being a Christian, but not if being a Christian means I have to do X or Y. Do you know what they're really doing? They're trying to name him. They're saying, I want Jesus Christ, but on my terms. But the angel says that if he comes into your life, you don't control him. He controls you. In other words, to to really understand Christmas and to really uh, walk in an intimate relationship with God, we have to drop our conditions. And that's hard. That takes so much courage. Because a lot of times we'll say, I'll obey or I'll do if... And anytime there's an if, what you're really saying is, Lord, I welcome you as my advisor, just not my, my Lord. You can advise me, but I mean, come on, I've been here 40 years. I got some great ideas. You should just let me navigate the majority of my life, and you can advise me on the things that I'm not too sure about. And some of you, even now, you feel the tension because this is so countercultural. And for our culture, the idea of letting go of control and giving your life to God just seems crazy. See, see, to really embrace Christmas, you have to do something that's completely crazy to the world. It, it really is. It's this aspect of letting go of control. It's this aspect of denying yourself. And Jesus says, listen, when you deny yourself and you follow me, that's where you're going to experience life and life more abundantly. 
But it's hard for us to grasp because the world says the opposite. The world says, pursue your dreams, work hard for you, go for you. But then you're like Clark Griswold, you got all the lights on, but there's no, it's just not working the way you thought. It's like, isn't, isn't there more to life than this? It's got to be so much more. Jesus says it very clearly. He says this. He says, he told his disciples, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. It's a daily denying ourselves and, and follow him. And this is just, it's hard for us to wrap around. We, it, it's not like, it just seems so counterintuitive. It feels like if we do this, we're going to lose our life. Jesus says, no, 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 no. When you live like this, you're going to find it. Like, like you're going to understand that Life is me. Jesus, unlike any other religion on the world, did not come to point you to life, did not come to give you some directions toward life. He said, I am life. John says it this way. John says, this is eternal life that we know him. Eternal life isn't just a destination later. It's a relationship now that we might experientially know him, not just the head knowledge, but, but to, to really know him. Because feelings change. Feelings are fickle. Yeah, pursue your desires. Go, but you're going to desire something else next year. But the one who's never changes, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But can I just tell you, this shocks people. I mean, this, it, 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 it seems like, man, this is it's a little intense. But it's so exciting. So exciting when you trust the God of all creation, when you put your faith in Christ and let him be the Lord, the adventure that he will take you on will blow your mind. Can I just tell you, a lot of my friends that thought I was weird and crazy, they now come to me for marriage counseling. They're like, man, maybe I should have, I missed it because I thought you were crazy. Now I'm like, my marriage is falling apart. I need help. You know, I, and it's, it's just amazing what God, the adventure that God will take you on. It will blow your mind. But if we want Jesus at the center of our life, it requires unconditional obedience. Merry Christmas. <laughs> unconditional obedience. But let me tell you something. That's why I want you to lean in. It's shocking, but it's very reasonable. I know it's very shocking, but it's not illogical. For example, if I were to take a golf club and put it in my hands, this is about as good as it gets right here. I'm going to have some fun, and I'm going to be mad because I spent money on a game that I'm horrible at. That's just the reality. Even the, even the club is like, no, bro, find a different game. But, but if I were to take that same club and put it in Tiger Woods' hands, oh, man, just like last year, what a comeback, right? Championships, right? Millions it's worth. I mean, it's just incredible because he, he knows just the right fit, just the right way that that club needs to flow, that it would be used to its maximum potential. So I know what I'm saying to let go of control and give it to God. It sounds shocking, but it's not illogical. It's very logical. It wouldn't, wouldn't it make sense to say, hey, why don't you put your life in the hands of the one that created you? Because the one who created you, he knows how you flow. He designed you. He knows what's a good fit. Like, and he's for you. He's for your good news of great joy. He didn't come to rob your joy. That's not the Christmas message. It's good news of great joy despite our tangleness, in the midst of our brokenness, and in the middle of our emptiness. It's good news of great joy. But we need to have courage. And the last thing is this. If you're taking notes, you want to jot this down. We need courage to admit we need a Savior. 
I'm going to invite the team to come up. As we wrap up, we need courage to admit we need a Savior. This is hard. Because some of you guys may be thinking, well, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus come to give us love, you know, love and joy and peace? Absolutely. But he first came to give us forgiveness. It's the foundation. In fact, the angel makes it very clear as we continue. says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will save them from their sins. Now, this is hard because we don't like to admit sometimes that we're wrong or that we need a savior. But can I just hear you, everybody lean into this. Everything flows from this reality of forgiveness. It's the very foundation of, of, of which you and I get to experience God's love, God's joy, God's peace, God's providence. It's, it, it's the very foundational piece. Because I think if we're all honest here, and like if you're living in the same world that I'm living in, and if you were living in my house, and if you're a friend of mine, you know this to be true, that we are all morally fractured. And if we're left to ourselves, we're not going to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we're left to ourselves, we're not going to love our neighbor as ourself. It gets really inwardly focused, self-focused real quick the moment we start to lose sight of that reality that we need a savior. Now, some of you have been following Jesus for 30 years, and you're like, oh, this is a message for the new people. No, it's not. We don't just start off needing a savior. <laughs> the more you grow in your relationship with God, you realize how deep the darkness is in your heart. Like, like the more that I grow as a pastor, as a Christian, I realize how desperate I am for the savior every single day. I, and that's what makes it such good news. See, good news isn't good unless you got the bad news. That's what makes good news good news. And the bad news is we've all fallen short of God's glory. That we all are fractured as a result of sin. That, that, it, that sin in the cross, it, it levels the playing field. And we're all in need of a savior. Nobody's exempt. And I think so sometimes we get it backwards. And like, like, you know, the great theologian Drake, Drake says it this way, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now we're here, right? And sometimes we take that, that same picture, and, and, and this is true for Drake. Drake was, you know, started from the bottom, and he, man, he's a great entrepreneur, he's a, a multi, multi-million dollar recording artist, and, and, and that, that's true in that reality. He, man, hard work, dedication, it pays off in that respect. But the kingdom of God and your relationship with God, it's completely reversal of that. It's completely upside down. And sometimes we take this reality and we try to apply it to God. So, so we leave a service like this. We're like, okay, I'm going to try really, really hard to have courage. I'm starting from the bottom, trying to work my way to the top. And Christmas says, you could never earn your way to the top. So God started from the top, now I'm here. God said, I started from the top, and I came to the bottom where we're tangled, where we're broken, where we're, there, there's absence and there's, there's emptiness. God said, I came from the top to the bottom to do what you and I can never do for ourselves. That's what's good news of great joy. You see, it's not about trying really, really hard to have courage this Christmas. 
All right, man, I got to try to have courage to be rejected. I got to have tr- courage to let go of control. I got to have courage to admit I need a savior. Merry Christmas. No, see, that, that motivation doesn't come from you trying harder, ladies and gentlemen. It comes from, from you seeing clear. That as, as you begin to look and consider what Jesus did to get to you, God in the flesh, excruciating pain on the cross, died the death you and I should have died. What he did to get to us, all of a sudden he starts to put things in perspective a little bit. Like, like you know a mom fighting for her child? Come on, I watched my mom fight for me. Even when I was wrong, my mom would fight for me. It's like, mom, uh, you shouldn't fight too hard because I did it. But you put a, a mom in front of somebody that's a threat to her kids, she is all, she will give everything to protect her kids. And voluntarily, not out of obligation, not, not out of, of any other reason except you are not going to touch my kid because she is extremely motivated by love. Why would God do this? Love for his lost kids. That he would come and stand in the gap that you and I might be free. That you and I might experience good news of great joy. What is the motivation? It is love. And when you begin to see his love for you, it will draw out of your heart a love for him and produce a courage that you can never produce on your own, where you live unashamed, unapologetic, giving it all away for the one who went first. He went first. He didn't say, hey, give all your life to me. He said, let me first lay it down and and show you that desperately in love with you. And willing to hold nothing back that you might have good news of great joy, that your, your joy would be complete, that, that, that your, your sorrow and your sadness would be reconciled, that, that, that here in this season, that, that spirit of heaviness will be replaced with the garment of praise because there was such bad news stuck in my sin, but I needed a savior. And he came and he gave me good news of great joy and did what I could never do for myself. When you experience Christmas like this, it just won't be a launching pad for the season. It will be a landing place for the rest of your life that goes far beyond the fields, far beyond the fuzzies, but it really becomes good news of great joy no matter what you face, no matter where you're at. He's with you. 